Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary, and I'm really excited to share with you today about something that I recently self-published. It's been a dream in the making, to be honest. A number of years ago, I had a book called Breakfast in Bethlehem, but when the publisher went out of business, it ceased in publication and never was picked up by any other publisher. This Christmas, I'm excited to share the story of Breakfast in Bethlehem once again. It's contained in a collection of two Christmas stories called Father Looney's Christmas Stories, where I tell the story of this young boy who goes to Bethlehem with an angel and sees the events of Christmas unfold, including breakfast made by the innkeeper in Bethlehem. In the second story, Flowers from the Shepherd Boy, I share a story about a young boy who meets the three magi, who shares with him the story of Christ's birth, and then how this young boy meets the Holy Family as they are fleeing into Egypt. These stories of Christmas and the Epiphany, I hope, will be ones you wish to share with the little people in your life. You can head on over to Amazon and buy a copy of Father Looney's Christmas Stories. You can find the link in the show notes. And now, on with today's show. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. When it comes to the Blessed Virgin Mary, there are lots of sacramentals that surround her. There is the rosary, which traditionally we believe she gave to St. Dominic. There are medals that she has given, like the Miraculous Medal. People wear the scapular, which was received by St. Simon Stock. There are chaplets in honor of Our Lady. There are novena prayers, images, statues. The list goes on. And today I am happy to be speaking with an author who has written about sacramentals and about her own journey with them. I'm speaking today with Allison Jingris, who is the author of Encountering Signs of Faith, My Unexpected Journey with Sacramentals, the Saints, and the Abundant Grace of God. Allison is a Catholic new media consultant supporting family rosary uh, apostolate, the Catholic mom, and the Diocese of Fall River. And she contributed to a number of books, especially from Ave Maria Press. And she writes for a lot of different websites. You've maybe seen her work. She also has a little ministry called Reconciled to You. Just a wonderful apostolate. I was able to meet her a number of years ago back uh, at the Catholic Marketing Network when Ave Maria Press brought me in as a luncheon speaker. And she was there. And uh, we've been connected ever since through social media. So grateful to uh, be with you today, Allison. Thanks for joining me. And this is wonderful and so nice to hear your voice and to be able to speak with you again. And of course, to talk about our Blessed Mother and all the different ways we can connect with her through the tangible devotions of our beautiful Catholic faith. 
Yeah, and one of the things you do in this book, Encountering Signs of Faith, is that you share a, a lot of your own personal life story, and that story is one of adopting, that you have adopted a daughter. Your husband is mm -hmm. also a deacon in the Catholic Church, ordained just a, a few years ago now. And so you, you and your husband went about this process of adopting your child, and you interweave that then with the sacramentals and everything like that, kind of how you've handed them on to your daughter, kind of how she's participated somehow in that sacramental or our faith uh, journey with the, the saints and so forth. So uh, I'm just wondering, first of all, could you share a little bit of your adoption story? Adoption is something that is special to me, uh, in a sense, because my mother was uh, put up for adoption back in 1966. And so my my maternal grandparents ro raised her and everything like that. So adoption has played a significant role in my life simply because of her adoption. Uh, and so uh, tell us a, a little bit about how you came to adopt your own daughter. We had uh, two biological boys at the time that we started to pray and ask the Lord, like just we were open to however he wanted to increase our family, if he wanted to increase our family. I'd had some very difficult pregnancies and my boys were both premature. So I was open to whatever way God wanted to answer this prayer. And the idea of adopting started to come more and more to my husband and to myself through prayer. And not just uh, adoption, but he was just so good to us because I have a great anxiety. So I kept asking God for, for clarification on things. And, I, you know, Lord, where would you like us to go to adopt? There are so many children that need good homes and and where, how will we pay for it? Like all of these questions that I think normal people have when they're making such a, a giant decision. But he, oh, even knowing, Father, which child would, would be the one he has for us. If you give birth, it's pretty easy. You know which child is yours. But when it comes to adoption, I wanted to make sure I chose discerned and chose who God had intended for us. And he made that so clear by telling us, uh, really revealing to us in prayer in our hearts that she would be deaf, that she would be three, and indeed she was, um, that we were being called to this uh, this beautiful mission to bring this child into our home and into our lives. And knowing that in her country, particularly where she was in her country in China, she had no language. So I just feel like this beautiful mission to bring her here and to give her an opportunity to learn about him and to express herself as we gave her uh, American Sign Language as she grew older. And she still communicates through ASL? She does, yes. Be uh, because we adopted her so much later in life, she was almost four, She it was too, really be, uh, too difficult to teach her how to read lips, and that's a very difficult skill. I learned by asking other deaf people, if you know, should I teach her how to read lips? And they said, it's a very difficult skill. So she communicates completely in American Sign Language. She knows a little bit of English, so she can write. But for the most part, we communicate through the beautiful language of American Sign Language. Wow, I had no idea. And and so that means you and your husband had to learn that language as well. Yes. And again, the Lord took such great care of us. Uh, back in 2013, I was blessed to travel 
to World Youth Day with the Deaf Apostolate of Boston and learned how to sign my prayers and interpret the Mass from a priest who himself is deaf, Father Sean Carey. So again, the Lord just completely blessed us in this this mission. And I feel like the reason I wanted to share the story is I think he has a mission, a plan and a purpose for each of us. And that I didn't get all of these signs and this help along the way because I'm some special Jesus freak. I mean, I am totally a special Jesus freak, but he has this, this, these beautiful calls and, and, and missions for all of us. And he just asks us to be open, to listen and to accept the, the, the call that he has this. And I think we do that through grace. And this is where my devotion to this, all these sacramentals came in because sacramentals prepare yourselves, prepare the soul, prepare the heart to receive the grace God has for you. They're not lucky charms. They're not magic. They do not impart grace themselves. But these devotions help us to prepare and grow closer to God. So we hear what he's asking us to do. We were able to hear the answers to our prayers. I can't imagine he would give us this gift of prayer and then not respond to it. I just know for myself, it took a long time for me to understand what that looked like. Why was it important to you as you tell your story and to incorporate the sacramentals? So you could have simply wrote your adoption story, maybe even taken a different route, but the sacramental aspect, uh, our devotional life as Catholics was something that you really interweave. So why do that? I think growing up as a Catholic, I never learned about them. I you know, I'm a cradle Catholic. I had to go away for a little bit in my young adulthood and came back um, to the faith later on. But it was something that was never taught. And I am a person, again, I just mentioned of, of great anxiety. And many of the sacramentals and the devotions that we have in our Catholic faith come with promises. The promises that we're never abandoned or forsaken, that our Blessed Mother uh, will be with us through the journey at the time of the hour of our death. And and they gave me such comfort. And I really do believe that not only did they give me comfort, but they strengthened my faith to we have this invisible God, but He's not truly invisible. He gives us these tangible ways of connecting with Him through our senses. Like He gave us all these senses, and of course He wants us to use them, not only for our day-to-day life, but in to encounter Him. So we can encounter Him through feeling the water and the, uh, the water font on the way into church. We can smell the incense. We can see the flicker of a flame. We can hear the church bells. He gives us all these ways to remind us like He is present. And in embracing those, I started to feel less distant from God. And I wanted to share those with others so perhaps if they felt distanced from God, they could they too could use these beautiful devotions to grow stronger in their faith and to feel God's love in, in a really tangible way. Sacramentals are great reminders, as you mentioned, of God's presence. And especially, too, they can be reminders of Our Lady. So uh, there are sacramentals like the brown scapular. We kind of envision that as wrapping ourselves in the clothing of Our Lady mm-hmm. and her mantle. Uh, the scapular being a sacramental of protection and so forth. And then there's the miraculous medal. That's one you bring out, the story of St. Catherine Labre, who receives this Marian apparition, and the miraculous medal. And what I always love about the miraculous medal, and you bring this out, is that in the conversation that Catherine Labre has with Our Lady, uh, 
Our Lady says that one hand are the asked for graces and the other hand are the unasked for graces. Now, one of the things you say or write at the end of this section on the Miraculous Medal is you encourage people to wear the Miraculous Medal. What do you make of the fact that if we were to wear, there's lots of things we could wear. We could wear a cord, you know, like there's like these cords that you could wear around your waist. You could wear a scapular. You could wear a miraculous medal. Could you wear too much? I, I don't think so. <laughs> we could look a little <laughs> bit like Mr. T, I suppose, but <laughs> I'm aging myself. I, I don't think so, but I also think that there are particular devotions that are going to touch our hearts more so than others. I don't think we have to wear all the things. So my friend has answered that uh, question by wearing a bracelet with all the medals, the miraculous medal. She is a, I wear a scapula medal because um, of eczema. I can't wear the brown uh, cloth, but I wear a, um, a metal medal, <laughs> a sterling silver one. But I think, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's a matter of discerning which ones mean the most to you. But out of all of them, this one in particular, Mary does say to us, to, she, she gave the instructions to have the medal made. She gave the instructions of what the medal should look like. And she included that we should wear it. So while other you might find other devotions that uh, touch your heart, this one in particular, I do feel very strongly that we should in some way wear this medal around our neck. I know as a, a young child, my mother used to pin it to my undershirt. Um, I know some people who put it in their pocket. I think having it on us is such a beautiful reminder that our Blessed Mother does journey this life with us and that there's this abundant grace of God that we have available to help us on that journey. And the prayer on the Miraculous Medal says, O Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. And that's just a reminder of Mary's prayers and mm -hmm. us then when we feel it or see it or whatever, that we should have recourse to her. And what I also love about the Miraculous Medal is that it became the Miraculous Medal because so many people wearing it experienced miraculous things. It was originally mm -hmm. called the Medal of the Immaculate Conception, O Mary Conceived Without Sin. So it even takes on a new name because of the efficacy and power of the, the sacramental itself. Yes, and I even I share in Encountering Signs of Faith a, a small, I consider, miracle from my miraculous medal when I was in China and I started to get an eye infection and I, I took the medal, I put it over my eyes, I on my eye, I went to my knees and I prayed for Our Lady's intercession. So this isn't the medal itself that healed my eye, but it was the prayer, because um, each sacramental has a blessing and a prayer of the church with it. So it, I believe that even I received a miraculous healing through that medal, through the prayers of that medal and Our Lady's beautiful intercession. Definitely. And you bring out a lot of different sacramentals and encountering signs of faith. And one of the things we always say about the Blessed Mother is that there are very few relics of Mary. There is no bone relic of Mary because she was assumed body and soul into heaven. A lot of people use that, the fact that there are no relics, because we have relics of St. Peter, we have relics of the True Cross, we have relics of, you know... And, 
early followers of Jesus, but we don't have relics of Mary. And wouldn't you think that would have been one of the most highly sought after relic, a, a piece of Mary's bone? Now, there are some relics, and I'm not sure, I think it's disputed, but there are relics of like Mary's veil or something like that. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the authenticity of them. But you write about relics. And uh, I'm curious, do you have relics in your home? What do you make of these little relics that you know, you can maybe buy at a gift store that have a little piece of white that has been touched to a relic or something like that. Why why venerate the relics of saints? Well, I include them because they are themselves not a sacramental, but we create sacramentals from them. You're talking about these little um, relic, uh, and you know, you, there's probably a name for them, but we the little things that have the little cloth that's been touched to the relic. I included them because I felt like there's this closeness to those who walked this path before me, who successfully walked this path before me, and now they sit before God. And I know if something in my life is going on, I always reach out to all my friends. Can you pray? Can you pray? Can you pray? But I love in our Catholic faith that we not only bring in our friends here on earth, but we also activate our friends in heaven who bring our prayers directly to the source, to the one who can answer them. And so, oh, Saint, it's called the sacramental badge. I just remembered it. Sorry. <laughs> like the relic badge it just came to me. Uh, but I wanted to include that because it's such a rich part, again, of our tradition. We can go and we can venerate, which, of course, is not the same as worship. We only worship one God. And we can venerate these saints who, again, have successfully walked the path that we are trying, this path to heaven. So I love having them nearby where I can tangibly hold them, rub them uh, like a worry stone, uh, grasp them in my hands, and just have that little connection to heaven and know that I'm not alone, especially in times of trial. Yeah, I have a relic someone gave me of uh, St. Edward, my namesake. So a lot of people, Mm. if they watch my video live streams and such from my office, they'll see that relic. And people ask in the comments, uh, who is that relic? And I actually have another reliquary. This isn't like a piece of a saint. But when I was praying before the home in Nazareth in the Annunciation Basilica, and this was like at 9 o'clock at night. Maybe I shouldn't admit this, but what happened? was as I was praying there, a rock fell from the house and landed right in front of me. And so I took that as like a sign that Our Lady wanted me to have it. And uh, so I I put it in this little envelope that I had from a souvenir that I bought in the Holy Land and put it in my bag and it came home and ended up buying a reliquary for it. I also treasure another little piece of cloth that came from the habit of a religious sister. And this, uh, this piece of cloth is... Uh, not of a venerable or a servant of God. I pray that one day maybe the church will open this person's cause for sainthood, Mother Mary Francis. But uh, I was down there with the nuns at Mass, interviewed the nuns, talked with them last year, and they're like, well, here is a piece of Mother Mary Francis's habit. And so that was just something that was very meaningful uh, to me because she's one of my favorite spiritual writers for Advent and Lent. Uh, so, so yeah, these relics, I think they help us to feel a closeness uh, to the yeah. saints as well. Probably the closest that I have is a rock that I took from Venerable Patrick Payton's grave. I have permission to do so. And 
I brought it with me. He's the rosary priest. And I brought it with me to World Youth Day because I was very nervous about travel, again, with my anxiety. And I keep the rock. And I've since actually gone back and and grabbed just a few more because I know eventually he will be beatified and I won't have such beautiful access to where he is buried. But this rock, which for me is such a a great symbol for to have of Father Peyton because the rosary began uh, as as monks praying using rocks to keep track of oh, the, sure. the, the the Psalter as they prayed it. But um, I actually got the idea from Saint Teresa of uh, Saint Therese of Lisieux, who went on pilgrimage to Rome and was in the Colosseum and snuck under the barriers to grab some of the rocks of where the martyrs were um, killed where they were martyred and she kept them in her pocket. So these little rocks. So maybe when I was getting prepared to go on this pilgrimage and, and kind of filled with anxiety and praying for her assistance and sitting at father Patrick Payton's grave, venerable Patrick Payton's grave. I remember looking at these rocks and being like, um, I'm just going to take this little rock with me <laughs> just to, again, to tangibly re- uh, be reminded that we are not alone ever on this journey. And another sacramental that we can make use of that reminds us of the saints and sometimes can even aid our prayer life are prayer cards. And that's something you Mm. bring out too. And I was mesmerized. Uh, This was probably, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. It was early on in my priesthood that my, my mother's godmother uh, passed away. And uh, so I, I go to her funeral and I see in the casket, she has her prayer book and her prayer book had all of these prayer cards mm-hmm. in it. Now they could be re- memorial cards from somebody's funeral, but also just prayer cards. And I see it every day when I walk into the church for mass at the parish that, you know, some of the little old ladies in the back, they, they have prayer cards and they're going through mm-hmm. and they're praying these different prayers. And they've probably prayed the same prayer for years, I'm imagining. Now, myself, I even, uh, I, I've adopted St. John Neumann from Philadelphia as one of my intercessors, a, a priestly bishop, and uh, just uh, was really touched by his story. So I bought a prayer card when I was at a shrine. I think they could have wrote a better one, in my opinion, but who am I to say that? <laughs> but uh, so I pray this prayer every day that uh, asking or invoking the intercession of St. John Neumann, as I've been reading the mystical city of God for 365 days in the year of our Lord, 2022, uh, I, I wrote a prayer um, at, or, you know, thanking God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. I almost, I'm sure by now I have the prayer memorized uh, so, so these prayer cards are helpful aids and what's the value of a prayer card? And is there like one that you treasure in your life? Well, the, the value is that sometimes we don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray for something. And I love that somebody's taking care of that and we can use these prayer cards. I actually have one that's uh, 40 years old. My, uh, best friend in high school her mom had that book just that you're talking about with all the prayer cards falling out of it she would wrap it with an elastic to keep them all in there i just thought it was the most beautiful thing i'd ever seen 
And I remember having a conversation with her one day that I was Catholic, but I never prayed a novena, which is typically a nine days of prayer for a specific attention intention. And she handed me this laminated prayer card of St. Tres, again, of Vosu. And um, on the back is a very, it's actually only a five-day novena, which I laughed because I have attention deficit disorder. And I was really happy that the Lord kind of eased me into prayer life by giving me like the short, the abridged version <laughs> of, of these beautiful prayers. And I've prayed this prayer mostly when I travel for again 40 years and with my anxiety it really has helped me with with big events in our lives obviously i prayed it constantly for the for the adoption of my daughter faithy from china but what i love about it again going back to that tangibleness of our faith is that saint therese says she will shower the the earth in roses from heaven and when you pray to her she will send you a rose. And it doesn't mean you are going to get what you prayed for. It means your prayer has been heard. The, uh, St. Therese has taken it to the Lord and to have peace and comfort in that knowledge. And I have never, ever in the 40 years of praying that been denied the rose. In fact, I got to the point where I decided to be a real brat about it. And I said, all right, St. Therese, Roses are everywhere, especially if you're going to be on the internet. Like, I need a purple rose. They're a little bit more difficult to come by. I, I want to be sure that this is your your message from you. And I do. I, I to this day get those purple roses, and it just makes me smile, just knowing that heaven hears me. And uh, I have. A, she's part of my saint posse. Most of my prayer cards are my saint posse. <laughs> That's great, and. Uh, yeah, when it comes to St. Therese and roses, for me, uh, because I have such a great love for Our Lady of Lourdes, and Our Lady of Lourdes mm -hmm. appears with yellow roses on her feet. And so I always pray asking St. Therese, especially if I'm like saying, you know, this is, I, I need to make a very difficult decision or whatever, mm -hmm. and send me a yellow rose if I'm supposed to proceed. And, and I'll get that yellow rose. There was one time I prayed that, and there was a wedding that I was doing, celebrating, and every person had yellow roses in their bouquet. I'm like, oh, this is in the middle of my novena. I wow. guess you already sent them to me, St. <laughs> Therese. So, so that is a very cool thing. So you, you talked about novenas. Uh, it, it's funny because just, you know, in the season of Advent, beginning November 30th, uh, St. Andrew, there's a St. Andrew Christmas novena. And, like, some people can be so, like, particular that they're like, if you're going to call it a novena, you can't call it a novena if it's not nine days or divisible by nine. <laughs> right. That's not a novena. And so you mentioned five days there. And St. Andrew's novena is 30, you know, it's, what what is it, 24 days, 25 days. It takes you to Christmas. That's an anticipatory preparatory prayer for Christmas. So people get really bent out of shape about small little things that really don't matter. Just Pray the prayer, okay? <laughs> but uh, at, at the end of the yeah. day, uh, you know, mentioning these novenas, is there a novena that you go to? Because, for example, Blessed Solanus Casey prayed a novena to the mm. Immaculate Conception in order to know if he should join the Capuchins. So a novena was very important to him. Uh, so uh, is there a go-to novena? I know people talk about Mother Teresa's flying novena of nine memoraries. I do and, that one a lot. <laughs> yeah. So any others? Um, I like the, the novena to the Infant of Prague. And I also like the one that Padre Pio prayed every single day for the intentions that he was keeping for people, which was the efficacious prayer to the Sacred Heart 
Uh, I like both of those that do the flying novena. I actually have in my pocket, you know, my prayer pocket, to, so to speak, the nine, the, the nine, the emergency one, excuse me, the emergency one, which is nine minute, really not even prayer. Then I have the one that I can do on the hour, every hour, which is the nine hours uh, novena, which is usually the, the sacred heart novena. Then you have the nine day ones. So whatever the five day ones, I love that we have all this variety in our in our prayer life and in our in our world like whatever i need i either go like the immediate prayer or i have a couple of days i can wait i can kind of spread it out but the other thing about novenas that i think is important to mention that it's great to remember to do it every day i send myself an email i set an alarm i try to remember but if you forget it's not broken. It's not done. You haven't failed. Just pick it up. God doesn't live in our continuum. So we don't need to hold him to our, ourselves to be perfect in prayer. God is not asking that. So if you miss a day, do two days or go an extra day. But don't stop praying just because you missed it or didn't do it, quote unquote, perfectly. That's that's great advice. And you do some work with... Um... Father Payton's apostolate, uh, the family rosary apostolate, uh, and Catholic mom is a branch of that and such. So you've been to Venerable Patrick Payton's grave. You've taken rocks, you've said. So we mm-hmm. we talk about Father Payton, and often uh, we quote him as saying, uh, the family that prays together stays together. His idea of family prayer was the family rosary, and the rosary is an important prayer. And uh, I'm just wondering, how do you view the integration of the rosary into family life? Because I know, I know of some people that prayed the rosary every day, like on their knees as a family, and they just were repulsed by it, and they don't pray the rosary anymore. But then I also know people that pray the rosary every day in their family, and they're the most unlikely people you would think that would be praying the rosary, but they pray it every day. So uh, how, how can we incorporate it? into family life? I think we, first of all, call upon our Blessed Mother for her help. Like, what what does this look for our family? How can we make it a successful prayer and not one that we're repulsed by? I know a lot of people like you do, Father, that prayed it as a child and they just don't see the, the point in it. I My family only prayed it during thunder and lightning storms, and then my house got struck by lightning. So <laughs> we stopped praying after that. In hindsight, our house was protected. Nobody was hurt. The prayer of protection and praying that rosary was the right thing to be doing at that moment, but that's not how we saw it. I think bringing our Blessed Mother into the conversation, first and foremost, just asking her, Blessed, you know, Blessed Mother, I want to pray this beautiful prayer. Because the other thing that Father Peyton said was um, a, another mission or a motto that he had was that the world at prayer is a world at peace. And I think our world needs peace now more than ever. And to know that we have this beautiful weapon, for lack of a better word, uh, against the evil and that we have in the world. So to be able to bring that into our family and say, let's pray for peace. Let's, and maybe you only have to pray a decade. Maybe you can do it in the car or on a walk, find ways that works for your family to pray this, but to know that it's also the school of Mary, as John the Paul II said, it's a way for us to teach the faith and to learn the faith using the mysteries. I think I myself grew up again, just praying for the Our Fathers and the Hail Marys during lightning storms, I never knew the beauty and the depth of this in- 
incredible prayer. I mean, there's days that I'm just so wrapped with grief or, or a difficulty that I just hold the rosary. And I, I say it's like holding Mary's hand. I just feel so connected to her. So there's all these different ways that we can incorporate the rosary. And we don't have to worry about doing it perfectly according to some other person's idea of how it should be prayed, go to her directly and let her guide your family and how that prayer should be used in your in your life. There are lots of saints who are associated with Our Lady, some of them with apparitions. We've mentioned St. Catherine Labore already, uh, St. Bernadette Subaru, and there's a sacramental even there with Lourdes water. I, I have personally blessed people with Lourdes water. Some people have claimed... Uh, almost, I would call it miraculous healings uh, from Lourdes water. Uh, one boy needed surgery uh, on his growth plate from a baseball injury. I blessed him with the Lourdes water. They did one more x-ray before surgery, and they said, you don't need the surgery anymore. And uh, the doctors were just baffled by it. So so I have seen the efficacy of, of Lourdes water, for example. But there's another saint, uh, St. Juan Diego. He kind of receives a sacramental from Our Lady in the sense that he collects these roses, Castilian roses. He puts them in his cloak and then brings them to the bishop. And there's the tilma, this miraculous image of Our Lady imprinted on his jacket. And you have a chapter in your book, Someone to Look Up to, St. Juan Diego and Sacred Images. Do you personally mm-hmm. look up to St. Juan Diego in your life? And if so, Why? I, I look up to him in the way that he took Mary for her word. You know, there's this, a, a, a moment where he is so worried about his uncle. Like I just, I said earlier, I have a woman of great anxiety. It's something I've battled my whole life. And this is moment in Juan's life where he is very, very anxious and worried about his uncle to the point where he doesn't return back to the Blessed Mother where she has asked him to meet, kind of circumvents around her to go and take care of the worldly things that needed to be taken care of. And when she, of course, finds him, they they meet again, she says these words that I really needed to hear in my life. And it was, am I not here? That is your mother. And to know that I don't need to worry that she has me, like, you were wrapped in my mantle. You are, I am with you. And it's watching one accept the, the next mission in his life. And for me, accepting this mission to adopt a little girl from China who is deaf to do, and it would be older. And I just felt unworthy and unable. And just knowing that I wasn't doing it alone, that my mother was with me. My blessed mother was with me. And, and he was actually about the same age as I was, um, when I was doing this mission. So, yeah, I, I really do. I, c- I can connect with Juan, St. Juan. Sure. Yeah, and I think as we learn the stories of the saints, uh, we find connecting points with them. And mm. that's sometimes why people wear a saint medal. They'll wear that saint medal as a reminder of, this is my special intercessor. And mm-hmm. um, I, I often will pick up a medal at a place I've been. I don't necessarily wear it often, but it's just one of those little keepsakes. Uh, you have a little chapter in your book about St. Gemma Galagni, who mm-hmm. was uh, a stigmatist. So she experienced the effects of the passion in her body. She uh, received apparitions of St. Gabriel of the Seven Sorrows. Uh, kind of a very unique story, but what's her connection to, to religious medals? I'd love to tell the story of my 
my connection to St. Gemma because for, I'm the same way. I just pick up medals as keepsakes as I go to different shrines and as I add new wonderful saints to my um, my saint posse. But St. Gemma has a very special place in our hearts and in our uh, our lives because my daughter, when not only was she um, orphaned, and uh, profoundly deaf. She also, we've discovered at 12 years old, had scoliosis, like really serious, uh, on, in need of surgery, scoliosis. And so my husband, the deacon, decided to Google. He's like, there's got to be a saint for this. And we discovered St. Gemma, who was also orphaned, who also through meningitis lost her hearing and had a curvature of the spine so profound that she wore a brace like my daughter did. And so we started to do a, a prayer, a novena to St. Gemma, just asking for her intercession on Faith's back, what we specifically asked for was that she not need surgery. And we were given this brace and we were told that it would not cure the, the spine, but it's curvature, but it should keep it from growing. Fast forward a few months after praying and praying to St. Gemma, we went to the doctor and they did an x-ray and he said, I cannot explain this, which I always love those words because I know exactly the explanation when that comes out. <laughs> He cannot explain this, but the curve has not healed completely, but enough that she no longer needs surgery. So when my daughter was confirmed just five years after that, four years after that, she picked St. Gemma Galgani. And so St. Gemma is a, in a very special, special saint to us, and my daughter wears her medal. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful story. And I'm happy you shared that, partly because... I've had scoliosis from a child. Uh, I My family was very poor growing up. I didn't really get the medical attention I needed or deserved. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I still have the scoliosis, still have the curvature. Uh, never had a brace, never was corrected, anything like that. I I have documents somewhere where I went to a chiropractor and he's like, I, I, I want to say it was like a 30-degree curvature of the spine or something like that. But I, I could be wrong. But Anyways, I, I appreciate you sharing that because maybe now I'll pray asking her intercession because mm -hmm. I have been experiencing more back pain uh, more recently. So uh, I, I could use a little alleviation and maybe heavenly assistance and prayers. Yes. So, so I will definitely she, uh, turn to her. St. Gemma actually had her own miracle of healing through the, the Padre Pio efficacious Sacred Heart um, Novena. So throw that one in there as well. We also prayed that alongside of our prayers to St. Gemma. So, yeah, she's a, a powerful, beautiful, and I, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, Father, but I love when we can see actual photographs of the saints. Like, they're so contemporary that it's not some painting of someone's idea of what this saint looks like, but it's their actual face, and you can look in their eyes. I find that just fascinating. Sure, yeah. And she's one of them. Yeah, for yeah. sure. There are pictures that float around of her. Um, there, there was this book by Sophia Institute Press that I think was it was her letters, maybe her writings. I, I read it real. Uh, I read it on a plane. It was a real quick read. Um, uh, and so that's where I learned so much about her. And I think one of the interesting things too is like Saint Faustina. She would always pick a saint for the new year or something like that. Mm. And so you have people like Jen Fulweiler who's created the saint generator. And so you can just click a button and it will give you a saint that you could implore for the next year. Uh, and, and I think in some ways I uh, – throughout the year, 
a saint chooses me. So I mentioned, you know, St. John mm-hmm. Neumann earlier. Or I just recently have become enamored with um, f- uh, venerable, I think he's venerable, uh, Samuel Mazzucchelli. I prayed at his grave, had a very powerful mm. experience. So, so I think one of the things oh. people could do uh, is they could pick a new saint for the new year mm-hmm. and ask that saint maybe every day to pray for them. That could be something they do. But uh, as you wrote this whole book about your unexpected journey with sacramentals, the saints, and the abundant grace of God in encountering signs of faith, what advice, As because we're coming to the end of 2022 and we're beginning a new year, if someone wants to say, I want to be a more sacramental person this upcoming year, what would be one tip that you would encourage them uh, as they make their choice of how they want to more intentionally live uh, their faith through sacramentals? Mm-hmm. Well, I would start with uh, definitely start with invoking the Holy Spirit. Like God knows what you need. I think we underuse this beautiful gift that we have from God of the Holy Spirit to be our paraclete, to be our counselor and our guide, and just to go in prayer and and you know be open god knows what you're thinking he knows what you're you know, it's on your heart why i don't know why we try to hide it from him just bring your 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 concerns the things that you feel like 2023 may have challenges for you and ask the holy spirit to reveal to show you what devotion or devotions may help you navigate this year in a place of peace and joy and hope all those beautiful gifts that god has for us we need to embrace those. And I really, for me, I spend a lot of time in adoration, and that's when I will pray for the devotion. I'll pray for the saint to uh, guide me. I'll, you know, you're sitting in heaven, pretty much St. Teresa of Avila called adoration the, uh, the um, foretaste of heaven. So we're sitting there, and I will say, all right, all right, heaven, which one of you saints wants to help me through this next chapter of my life or uh, you know, celebratory things too. It's not all about challenges, but that's, I would just ask the Holy Spirit. That would be my number one advice. Yeah. And I know for myself and just looking at the different things you have in your book, actually one of them I think is, is what I'm going to be more intentional about next year. And uh, chapter seven of your book is inspired by the word St. John, the evangelist, mm-hmm. the blessed mother in scripture. And so we think about Mary pondering, the Word of God in her heart, St. John the Evangelist, you know, writing about the Word made flesh, uh, and you have Scripture there. And that's something that I've realized is that as a priest, and, you know, I read Scripture quite a bit, but not like in a very intense I don't know how to say it, but not in an intentional way, I would say. Like, I read scripture Mm -hmm. because it's a part of my breviary. I read scripture because it's a part of our daily mass readings. And so, like, scripture is just incorporated by the virtue of my life into my life. And, like, I don't actually, like, sit down more often with the scriptures. Like, sure, I sit down with the daily mass readings or the gospel for the upcoming Sunday, but, but it's not like... I don't intentionally just pick up the Bible to read the Bible. And that's something I want to do next year. And I know Father Mike Schmitz is 365 with the Bible. That's really revolutionized people's lives. There's a new book by uh, Meg Hunter-Kilmer, which is like a journal. She provides a 365-day reading map, uh, which I think is a little different than Father uh, Schmitz's plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that's something that – but she has a journal with it. So there are lines where you yeah. can write down different thoughts. I'm like – this is what I really need to do next year. I've read a 2600 biography of Mary and Jesus in the mystical city of God. 
now I need to go to the scriptures. And that's that's really my resolution for 2023, to be more intentional about the Bible. And I've been inspired by Protestants. I listen to different podcasts mm-hmm. from Protestants uh, about, you know, their own, they talk about their relationship with the Word of God. And I'm like, I need that. So, so that's mm-hmm. my goal for 2023. It's one of the treasures of our church. And there's a beautiful sermon from uh, St. Bernard of Claveau, and he talks about the three comings of our Lord. And it's it's perf- it's, it's usually in the breviary for Advent, and it's the first coming, obviously, is the nativity. There's the second coming that we're waking, waiting for, but there's this present coming of our Lord. And he says that is uh, found in abiding in the Word. And in the Word, we find rest and consolation. And I can't imagine anyone who doesn't need rest and consolation. And for me, reading the scriptures, finally opening my Bible, completely transformed my life because I had never heard God in my heart before until I started to read the Word of God and understood how He spoke. And He had His words in my heart to pull from and not my own. So I think that is a wonderful resolution And I hope that more people will also do the same and open up the Word of God. Allison, you are the author of Encountering Signs of Faith, My Unexpected Journey with Sacramentals, the Saints, and the Abundant Grace of God. It's available from Ave Maria Press or wherever you buy your Catholic books. But I'm sure you have an online presence as well that you do a lot of different you know, social media stuff or what have you. So if people want to find you online, your footprint there, how can they find you? Everything is under reconciled with a D, reconciled, T-O-Y-O-U, reconciled to you. My handles on all my social and my website is reconciled to you. And and, and how did you come about uh, naming it that? When I came back to the faith, uh, like my reversion, it was really through the sacrament of reconciliation that I found that the Lord was so merciful and so loving. And so I wanted other people to be reconciled to God. And I found 1 Corinthians 5.20, we talked about being an ambassador for Christ. And that's what I wanted to be, an ambassador that helped people find their way back to God. And so that's where it comes from. That's wonderful. I encourage people to pick up Encountering Signs of Faith. I think that the sacramentals of our church offer us a great richness and can amplify your own faith, belief, and trust in God. So pick up her book. Check out Allison's work online. Thanks so much for joining me today, Allison. Thank you for having me, Father. This was such a lovely conversation. I enjoyed it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show and for all the many ways that you support the podcast. If you want to help out the podcast, be sure to check out Sock Religious. I love their socks. I love their shirts. And so go over to Sock Religious, use the link in the show notes, and buy some holy socks or some holy shirts that you can wear to evangelize your family and your friends. If you also want to support the podcast, I invite you to please share the podcast with your friends or on your social media platforms. Rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, please follow me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My handle is at FR Edward Looney. You'll see all of the posts, all of the content that I put out each week by following me there. Thanks so much again for listening today. Know that I am entrusting you to the heart of Mary, asking her to pray for you this day and every day. 
And if you don't mind, say a prayer for me too. Let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.